0: Hey guys, welcome to Fuck Small Talk. I'm your host, Mariah Joe, Life and Recovery Coach. I have my master's in sociology and a few certifications in nutrition and behavioral health. I'm also a certified peer recovery specialist, which is a fancy way of saying I use my own experience with addiction and mental health to help others heal too. And I'm here to say fuck that, to fake fluffy talk for the sake of fitting in. You don't need to fit in, you belong. Let's dive into this week's big talk topic. Hello, welcome to another episode of Fuck Small Talk. I am sitting with my sister, Jacqueline. Jack, say hi. Hi. I asked Jack to be on the podcast a while ago, and she agreed. Um, So last week, if you checked out the Just Me episode, I know it was was definitely personal and uh, definitely to the point for a lot of things. And I asked Jack to come on and talk about grief um, just because... I'm feeling so much of it so deeply. And I mentioned it on a few different episodes. And um, so today, when we are going through this discussion, you're going to learn a little bit about what grief actually is. We're going to talk about the different kinds of grief, um, because so many people, we just assume that it's like death or divorce, and that's it. And a lot of times, obviously, like grief is around that, but it's any other form of loss. And so she and I are going to get into that we're going to hear a little bit about jack's personal story, her background and um her upbringing. I mean, we we grew up in the same home with the same parents, but we are very different people and like I said we're we're 5 years apart. Um and so yeah, it's just like a totally different experience. So you're going to hear a little bit about her and then we are just going to go through I'm just going to kind of interview her and ask her some questions on what she's learned about grief. Um, what to do, what not to do around someone who's experiencing grief and all of the things. Um, so how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah. Intimidated.
0: (laughs) I think talking about grief is intimidating for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think like grief just isn't a normal thing.
1: To talk about not to talk about no, it's very taboo.
0: Yes, taboo. I've talked
1: about it a lot in small settings,
0: but never to like a platform. Okay, but like you're so good at talking about grief, and I know that obviously it comes with personal experience, so yeah. Um, you found a poem, so we I'm gonna read this poem for you guys before we start off just to kind of get you, um, to be on the same uh, I guess like vibe as us, but this book is called. Please be patient. I'm grieving. How to care for and support the grieving heart. Um, And it is by a man named Gary Rowe. But there's a poem in here. Jacqueline showed it to me and I just thought it was perfect. So it says grief is not a disorder, a disease, or a sign of weakness. It is an emotional, physical, and spiritual necessity. The price you pay for love. The only cure for grief is to grieve. That's by Earl Grohlman. And I guess like that, I just, I honestly want to kick it off like with, with that because we just mentioned that grief isn't normally talked about. So it's this big taboo topic, right? Like it just, you you can see it in people's face and in their body language when you bring up grief, we like freeze and our eyes get all weird or we just like literally panic. Like instant stiff board. Well, because like we <laughs> it's it's like insert a human being into a situation that they're not familiar with and they're going to get clammy and weird. And that is the topic of grief. And even like saying the word, I wonder even if like if we have when we have grief in the title, how many people will just skip over this episode because they just won't want to listen to it. It's literally avoidance
1: mm-hmm.
0: on not just like the topic, but the, the feelings, I, I think, is really what it is that they're avoiding. It's not that they don't want to talk about it. It's uh, and they, you know, obviously it's it's me, too. You know, like it's an uncomfortable, hard feeling. But once you get familiar with it, it's like a language that you can finally speak. When I was young, young,
1: I watched two of my family dogs die. The next real big grief I can really think about is you guys leaving. I was the youngest in the house. So Kayla left. Then I had Mariah. Mariah left. And then I was by myself in that house. So I moved out when I was about 13 and I lived on the streets for a while. So I was homeless for most of my high school career. After that, when I was a senior in high school, my father figure died. Right after that, my mm. fiancé died. Right after that, Nana died, Uncle Kevin died, and then Grandma died last year. So there's a lot of um grief around all the dying, but in between there, too, growing up the way I did, I was in abusive relationships, and... I lost jobs and things like that. So there was always grief around that as well.
0: Yeah. I'm a big ball of grief. I think that that's something that I absolutely want to bring up, though, is like just how your life started off. Just kind of like the the cards that were dealt. Right. So like for those of you listening, like the family that we're born into like obviously we don't choose that like it's not our choice where to like pop up in the world when we decide to arrive you know so it's like the fact that that was the the bones or like the framework that we were given to like build our successful sturdy life on is kind of shitty like that's just kind of like we weren't really set up for success right off the bat and that's you know, it is what it is. I'm sure a lot of us either feel that way or just genuinely are like, yeah, I've been in therapy for years, man. Like, you know, this is like, you know, we're very recovery focused here and like focused on the healing. But I think that there's a time and place to really look at exactly what we're doing today like the hardships and the trauma and the grief. Like, yeah, like what got you here. Exactly. And like, it's known and it is obvious to me, at least, that having a history of trauma or like CPTSD, Having like complex grief in your life before experiencing a grief makes it harder before like experiencing a loss makes it harder for you to experience that loss because you don't really have the framework or like the tools or the support or the emotional understanding or whatever. Like you already have so much of this like trauma and confusion that you're carrying around just like what is life and then a major loss happens. And when you aren't surrounded by all the extra supports to help you through that, it's worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that like how you felt once? I mean, it just seems like it's like dominoes. I feel like once the griefs started happening in your life, it was just like almost every year, like something major.
1: Yep. It just kept going. Yeah, I think uh, people being around is just like the biggest thing. Because every single time you get a grief, you're going to lose friends. It just happens. (laughs) <laughs> but then you're going to find more. Yeah. So people fall away and people pick up where they left off. So
0: hundred percent. I think like that, that reminds me of recovery. You know, people that are um like, if you're here because you're looking for deeper, more meaningful conversations and finding a way to understand yourself and your emotions a little bit more, like you're in the right place. Like we're here for recovery and to heal and to talk through some of the shit that like none of us talk about the fact that you are here and trying to better yourself though means that you if you haven't already will be experiencing loss in the form of like yourself you kind of like um like when you go through major life changes your support systems do fall away like yeah. your your friends are your friends because you fit into a certain framework right. that they expect from you
1: well and after you have a grief in any form you're not the same person you can't be yeah. so you're constantly going to switch whoever you're around and who you
0: need around you is going
1: to change it's
0: always a change so what do you say then when people are like oh i just need to get back to who i was or i'm just not the same or i'll i'll get there i'll get i'll, I'll be back to my normal self in no time you no know you won't <laughs> like, what
1: does that even mean
0: <laughs> like never again actually no
1: you can't you can't go back that's what it is now. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, depending on who you are and past traumas and, like, there's so many variables, like, depending on your support system, like, any particular loss can feel different. Mm-hmm. Like, like even, like, when, like, um, like, if me and, like, actually when we lost Papa, you know, like, the whole entire family took losing Papa, um, who is our great grandpa. We, like, lost our shit. As a family, he was, I mean, he is like the, the, uh, the head of our family. I don't know. Like he was,
1: we all lost our shit. There was four of us that got a DUI within like six months.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Within the first year yeah, of him dying.
1: Yeah.
0: We, uh, are a family that was never taught how to grieve. I think that that's really common for families that are surrounded around addiction or have alcohol as a main food group (laughs) um where (laughs) where it's like avoidance and numbing is what is preferred yeah and we don't talk about that nope yeah (laughs) it's so weird (laughs) how many people don't talk about death Why do you think it's weird that people don't talk about death? It's weird. But like the majority of people, like if you were to go out on the street and interview people, you'd be like, is it normal to talk about death? Fuck yeah. But do you feel like the normal person would say yes? Hell no. But why not? Because they're not taught that. And it's so weird.
1: I'm like, we literally are taught about having babies and it's so great to welcome a
0: life into the world. And And that is what we're taught. we're not taught about this. Yeah. Terrible.
1: (laughs) They're here forever. It's your baby brother or my sister just had a baby, like just cute things like that. And it's never like. Well, we have the great honor of laying a great man to rest today. It's never that. Right. It's all about life, not about death. Yep. It's always he was a great man. What are we going to do now? And it's like, you're going to fucking respect that person and put them in the ground and have a great ceremony like he deserves. (laughs) You're going to send him off.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of weird. It's like, even in the culture of things, and I recognize like the human emotion to dress in black and grieve and cry. Obviously, it's so interesting. That's how we frame it, though, is like death is like this great, like must be, like I must be lost. Yeah. Now, but like it's because it's like literally. A makes B makes C. Like we live in a culture that doesn't talk about grief. Nobody is comfortable talking about death. So when you lose someone that you love, which a hundred percent is going to happen in your lifetime as a human being, it will happen if it hasn't already. The majority of us have experienced major loss. Like then we don't know how to grieve. And right. then we isolate. And, and, and- if
1: nobody around you knows how to grieve. How are you supposed to learn how to grieve? You don't. Right. You turn to other things like drugs and alcohol or isolation or
0: anything. Well, how do you grieve then? Like what would like if someone is listening to this and maybe they're going through something personal or maybe a friend of theirs is going through something and they're like, I want to be able to help that person more. Like what is what are some like tokens of advice that you could give to somebody of like. Like how to help your friend or how to help yourself. Um, I guess let's go with self first. Like if someone is processing through grief, like I've you've been my person, literally, I've been coming to you for all this stuff. Like, God, I've been, go- this breakup is throwing me for a loop. Like all of the other series of grieves are coming up. I'm like grieving this house that we're sitting in right now. I'm moving, like I'm grieving a lot. Yeah. What would you say to somebody that's going through something hard and doesn't know how to fathom or comprehend the loss that they're feeling?
1: You just have to be gentle. So if it like, it's hard because it's all different. You're going to do different types of things when you're at different stages of your grief. So like when it first happens, you're not going to know what to do. You're not going to remember anything. You're going to be totally numb. You're not going to know what to even think or act or talk or ask for. You're not going to know anything. So at that point. It's best to, if you don't have to do anything, um, like make decisions and do
0: whatever, it's best to literally just feel. Yeah. Brene Brown talks about that, about the definition of overwhelm.
1: Yeah. Like and- go somewhere where you feel safe, where you feel comfortable. Um, For me, a lot of the time it was when Papa passed away. If we're still talking about that, it was his walk-in closet. <laughs> I love that too. Just sitting on the ground with the smell
0: of his like leather boots
1: yeah. and just his suits. In and all of his um like big flannels that almost touch the ground Mm -hmm. you just sit in there and like tuck them around yourself like you were hiding I sat in there all the time I still have one of his flannels and it still has a used toothpick
0: in the pocket yeah me and
1: mine is a certain it (laughs) um yeah I would just like or under on that tree in mom's yard that big cottonwood tree it had like that perfect divot to sit in Mm -hmm. like somewhere where I knew I could literally just sit and no one would bother me and you literally just
0: feel Yeah, just find your safe space and let yourself be a human. Oh, yeah. And there was times where,
1: like, I would just sit there and stare at the wall and not do anything. And there was times where I would be crying so bad that I would have to lay down because I couldn't hold myself up anymore. And there was, like, you could do anything in there. I brought pasta salad in there all the time. (laughs) Pasta (laughs) salad. We're so Midwestern. Yeah. Oh, it was really Midwestern. <laughs> I love it so much.
0: Ryan just said that he was going to make pasta salad at the park. <laughs> he's like, we're going to grill out. And I'm like, pasta salad. And he's always got to say it like that. Pasta. I'm like, why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> at the park. <laughs> oh, my God. It's ridiculous.
0: But yeah, like none of us, none of us are taught like, um. it's not like we go through courses of like, this will happen to you in your life. And when it does, these are great steps to take. You actually... <laughs> Yeah, I was like, what, what advice do you give to someone? You're like, just literally feel it. Like, yeah. you have to feel it. You, you can't,
1: can't change anything in the moment. You can't, anything you think or do won't change it. You might as well just sit there and feel exactly what you're feeling. But a lot of the times too, when you're feeling how you're feeling, that gets really overwhelming. So it is really nice to have somebody to break you out of that. Like, if you are able to just go sit next to
0: someone for a little while, even if you don't talk, mm-hmm. that does a lot. That's a really great point too, though, is like, especially in the shock of like hearing news, like, you know, you get that dreaded phone call. Like I've gotten so many of those in my fucking life and you answer it. And like the news on the other line just like throws you into oblivion and you don't know which way's up anymore. I think something that I've struggled with is shame of not being sad enough. In the moment or like going to a funeral and feeling like I can't cry, like not not that I can't cry. I I don't feel that way, like socially or whatever that like it'd be inappropriate to cry. I just genuinely am like, I don't know if I'm all cried out or I don't know if I'm in shock. I don't know what is happening with me. But that is it's like disassociation. Yeah, like disassociating. I think that that's important to like recognize, though, that that isn't something to be shameful about that. Like there's no right way to grieve. Being numb and
1: disassociated and not remembering anything about what happened and all of that is completely normal like I remember exactly where I was who called me what she said everything when I got the phone call about Josh and I had to drive 45 minutes home to the farm because I was in Fargo when I got the phone call And I didn't even pay for my bill. I walked out where I was having a beer and I got to my car and I sat down in front of my car and I called mom because I didn't know what to do. And she was like, I remember hearing her talking to me. (laughs) She was like, are you okay? Can you drive? And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, if you can't drive, let me know and I will come to you right now. And I felt guilty about making her drive an hour to come get me (laughs) when I had a car So I was like, I can drive. And she said, go directly to the farm. And I remember getting in the car and I remember nothing else. I don't remember driving home. I don't remember parking the car. I don't remember even getting there. I don't remember anything. Just to be clear, you weren't like not safe to drive or didn't remember because you were drunk? No, I literally went to that bar to have one beer before I was leaving town. And I got that phone call, which honestly probably saved me. I'm glad I wasn't driving. You want to explain to people, Josh? Josh is my fiance. Um, we met when I was 13 and he was 15. The first conversation we ever had, he said, Hi, I'm Josh. And I said, Hi, I'm Jackie. And he said, You're Tabby's best friend. And that was his sister. And I said, Yes. And he said, You're the beautiful, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever m- seen, and I'm gonna marry you one day. And I was like, You are fucking weird. You're Tabby's brother. <laughs> and then when I was 20 we got engaged
0: <laughs> I think you would love this conversation right now yeah For I'm sure. like looking around in this closet going like he's just laughing his ass off that we're in a freaking padded closet room right now and he's yeah like, talking about him yeah he's he, like I still got it probably he's like hey two bitches in a closet talking about me <laughs> okay yeah that is um all right So. Um, if you're comfortable, you want to go into a little bit about what happened. Like, why isn't Josh here?
1: So he was two weeks away from driving up from Florida to come live with me. Um, he had a job down in Florida where he was making um, houses and roofing and doing stuff like that with three of his really good friends. And they went to work one morning. We were texting the entire time. He left for work and was going to text me when he got home. And I never got a text. So on the way home from work, he was in the passenger seat of a truck um, where Tabby's now husband was driving and it was raining. They hit a really slick part of the road. They hit the grass after they went off the road and the grass was so wet and humid in Florida that it flung them straight into a tree. And Josh died instantly on the scene and the three others were lifelighted
0: yeah yep i remember that phone call i it's exactly what we're talking about here what can you possibly do for someone that tells you this type of loss this reality like it's you were so helpless
1: yeah everybody was which sucked even worse because there was like we were all lost <laughs> like everybody that was close to him was lost
0: yeah it's a state of disbelief
1: just like what are what does this mean and then not only that we were like trying to wrap our heads around that josh wasn't here while his best friend was getting double leg surgery and his other best friend was getting staples put in his skull and his other best friend was burnt almost to death so it was just like We are trying to wrap our head around not having Josh, but also taking care of these
0: three boys. That did survive. That are all dying. Like, it was
1: fucking horrible.
0: Yeah, and that, like, just kind of brings me right back around to the idea of, like, yes, grief is death. But grief is so much more. Like, it's, you can feel, like, the loss of, like. Oh, yeah, and I was pissed.
1: Yeah. I was like, there's three people in my truck, and you got to tell me one of the other ones couldn't die. Like, there was so many things that went through my head.
0: Well, and it's like, obviously, that's not like a rational thought. And it's not like a, it's not like what your genuine heart tells you. No, absolutely not. Grief makes you say and think really insane things. Oh, yeah. I was a
1: psycho for months.
0: It was panic. Yeah. It's so many emotions all at once. And you're trying to tell me that my main support, who I want to call right now to ask him what to do, is the reason why I'm lost.
1: Yep. And then there's, like, there's nothing you can do either because you're in that, like, brain disarray. So you're not drinking water, you're not eating, you're not sleeping. So you're also in this weird state of delirium where you're, like, trying to grieve, but your brain literally can't process things anymore because you're not taking care of it. So you're, like, just stuck in this weird space (laughs) where you're, like, my brain can't think normal because I'm not giving it what it needs, but also it still wouldn't think normal if I did. So
0: I think that bringing up the topic of connection right now is so important because without having a support system or one person that can help you with these things. Hopefully it's a group. Hopefully it's a crew. And there's a reason why so many of us are family oriented and like we have community. Because when we go through things like that, like, we we can't take care of ourselves. Like, th- hopefully, the majority of people don't go through a loss of that stature ever. Um, but that's not the fact of the world. And, like, when we are, when when our life is going well, right, and we're having a stable lifestyle for the most part, to live in a lifestyle that is allowing us to connect with people that are, like, healthy and working on their emotions and emotionally intelligent and we can talk to them and ask for advice and they can talk to us like then when a major loss happens we have a support system to lean on that's already in place right but for those of us that are like living in addiction or grew up in a really dysfunctional home or like it's all those like pre-traumas right that like we are we don't have that and then a loss happens and it's like even more confusing
1: yeah. mom was the best one she is like a good grief person i mean yeah mom is but she also has been through grief also her entire life yeah <laughs> so it makes sense
0: yeah our mom our mom yeah she literally like
1: undressed me and put me in the shower after like two days Me just like laying <laughs> <laid> there <laughs> she was like nope it's time get up and i was like i don't want it she's like i don't care you can stand there
0: i love her so much yeah she's like the most compassionate Empathetic, loving person in the whole world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like my, my, I think like just because she has been through so much, and I, I think that that's for you too. You know, like one of the best things that, like, one of the best things about you being my person. Thank you, thank God. I don't know what the fuck I do without you. Like, I call you about some of the craziest things sometimes, and I'm, I'm an emotional person. You're always making fun of me for being a cancer sign. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I'll call you, and I'm just bawling about something or whatever it is, and. Your go-to move, just by default, for all your grief training that you didn't really sign up for, is to just let me talk. Yeah. like you just, I don't know. like a lot of times like I, I don't need you to say the magic word or like you know I don't need you to help me.
1: Eighty to twenty ratio, baby. What? <laughs> what? What do you mean? The 80 to 20 ratio? It's how you're supposed to treat a grieving human. Oh, you're supposed to listen. of the time because the grieving person needs to talk 80% of the time Mm. and you are supposed to talk 20% of the time because your words don't fucking matter. Interesting.
0: What do you mean your words don't matter?
1: Like anything you say, you can't change grief. You're not going to make it better. Do not try to make it better. You won't. You'll make it worse. I promise you. (laughs) You can say, it's so fucking true. You can say, I understand. (laughs) I get it. And then just sit there. We're like, yeah, that's, I like that you're telling me that right now. We're like, I'm here. Say like easy, two
0: words. (laughs) It's great. Literally even just saying, this fucking sucks. Yeah. I guess that's three words. Yeah. But that is, that's valid. Like that, like saying like, this is very valid for you to be this. Absolutely. Sad. You know? Yep. Yeah. you. I didn't really realize that that's what you were doing. You're, like, hijacking my brain when I call you or when I come over. And I'm just like, I need a minute. And you're like, have a seat. (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs) Sit down. (laughs) How did you, so is it just, like, your lived experience that got you through all this? Like, do you, because you've done counseling. Yeah. Yeah. Right after Josh.
1: Yep. I waited. um, Right, Right after he
0: passed, yeah.
1: I probably went to therapy. I think it was November of that year when I started therapy. So I was about five or six months after he passed.
0: Can you can you explain because we grew up in addiction. We grew up with alcoholism everywhere. We grew up with just avoid your feelings. We grew up with don't talk about that. That's too hard of a topic. We grew up in the normal way to do things was to just drink your feelings away. Mm Why didn't you like? I'm still like, I'm mind boggled that we didn't like lose you too during all that. Cause like, it's not a secret. Like, I know that the people on the pod just met you, but like, your teenage users were a little crazy, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. uh, I feel like we switched roles, right? Like, you, you were like, you were like in it and like into like just not treating yourself very well. You got, you were a little angsty.
1: I would say yeah. um, in
0: high school, kind of into the whole party scene, all the stuff. Um, and I was like in volleyball and like in, in like one act plays and stuff and got like straight A's. And then we like literally like flipped roles. Like I went to college and I just started over drinking and all the things. And then that that all happened with Josh and you. You didn't lean harder into your addiction. Like, why? That was
1: Papa, actually. Oh, so. Well, I did. I did start drinking again after Josh passed away, and I stopped again, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was, uh, I would say I'm a bit of an addict. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely was in high school for tendencies. Sure. Yeah, We have
0: tendencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I was definitely an addict through and through in high school. <laughs> and before that, in middle school, I was drinking almost every single day. I started smoking weed really heavy in middle school. Um and then high school is when I got into like methamphetamines and all of the crazy things. And then I was 18, still doing a shit ton of drugs, is still in a really f- messed up relationship. Um, And I found out Papa was diagnosed with leukemia and I went balls to the walls. That's when I was like, wasn't coming home because I was just up for days on end. I would go to school just rolling still, like writing papers on Molly. All day. Like it was messed up. And then when he died, I graduated and whatever, um, right before he passed and moved to Fargo. So then when he passed away, two weeks and one day after he passed away, I got into my rollover. Yeah, that Jeep accident.
0: Yeah. And that's when I stopped. Do you think like that that if that accident didn't happen, that you would have made the decision? Like maybe like, there wasn't a point where you were like, mm, maybe like using alcohol and drugs isn't the answer. Not at all. Okay. I would have died. It just like scared you straight or what? You woke me up in jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Tell the people this story, please. Please, please. So you're in jail. Okay. So you, you're you in a car accident. You, you have a Jeep. Yes. You roll it on the interstate going, I don't know who f- how fucking fast. 80 something. I hate you for this story, by the way. Yeah. I'm not going to laugh during this part because you're my favorite person and you're mm-hmm. so important. And I can't believe that you were driving like that. Also, I'm not here to shame you because, yeah, definitely have a DUI on my record and done some bad shit. Shit. However, you did not die. You, nope. di- you were alive. I didn't even get hurt. So fucking bizarre. I had to pull some glass out of my arm. That's it. And the EMTs literally took their time to come get you. I mean, they were they were like, we'd, we just didn't expect you to be alive.
1: Oh, yeah. No, they all thought I was dead. Their sirens were off.
0: Yes. That's insane. I hate this story. Okay, so you got arrested because you shouldn't be driving like that. Yep. Um, they pulled up, realized I was
1: alive, shocked all of them. Um, They took me to Essentia Health, uh, drew my blood. I was 0. 0.169. And they took me to jail. They were really nice to me the whole time. They handcuffed me in the front and were giving me water. they <laughs> <And> were like, <laughs> they were really nice to me. <laughs> they took me to jail. They let me keep in all my piercings because it was too hard for me to try to get them out. And I was just like sad because I told them that they pulled me over and the cop put me in the front seat. And I was kind of like sobering up at this point because I was realizing there was cops around me. And he was like, where were you going? And I was like, I was going to go see my papa. And he was like, where does he live? And then it, I like realized in real time that he had died. Mm. And I was like, oh, I guess he, he died like two weeks ago. And the guy just like didn't even say anything. He just like touched my arm and like kept driving. And I was like,
0: it makes me want to cry.
1: Yeah, because, like, I didn't even realize that I was going to say that's where I was going or whatever. So I don't know if I was, like, trying to kill myself. I don't know what my thought process was. Um, But I got to jail. And since everybody was so nice to me, I was like, front desk lady, can I have two blankets? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And she was like, I'm only supposed to give you one. And I was like, the lights are bright as hell. Like, please give me another one. (laughs) So she opened up my door and she gave me another blanket. So I had one blanket on me and one blanket wrapped around my head because it was way too bright in there and I was just trying to sleep. And I woke up out of a dead ass over double the legal limit like comatose sleep.
0: With Ew. a blanket on your head.
1: Yeah. Woke up, ripped the blanket off my head because I literally heard Papa yell at me. And <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? So I sat up and I was looking around and obviously there's nobody in there. I was just in a white cell. And... I was like, what happened? And I literally heard him loud. And he was like, Jacqueline, you mustn't do this anymore. Nana cannot take it. And that's all I heard. And I was just like, okay, shit. And I stopped drinking a lot after that. There was still like a couple more like touch and goes with drugs here and there, but I stopped doing like everything after that. I just never wanted it anymore. And then with Josh. I did start drinking after that again. Like, I was working at the bar. It was easy. I was, like, taking shots with everybody all the time. But when I moved up to Fargo again... Because you were working at our parents'
0: bar at the time. Yeah. You drove home to, like, grieve and be with mom.
1: Yeah. I quit my job immediately, and I went home. After Josh, yeah.
0: I remember that. You were, like, putting in hours. out at Because our our parents own a bar, which used to be our grandpa's. So, yeah, you were out there working. Mm
1: -hmm. I worked out there for, like, a year and a half. Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, I did, too, for, like, tips and stuff every now and then, but...
1: Yeah. So I drank a lot then um, because I was always in town and like skipping bars and whatever. I hung out with the townspeople and that's what they do when there's 2000 people in four bars. Yeah. So <laughs> population <laughs> four um, bars. Yeah. <laughs> but then I don't know. Drinking has never been like my thing. Like I used to drink a lot, like when I was younger, like 18s, 19s. And then it just made me so sick like so many times all the time and I never really liked the taste of it anyway I was just like drinking to forget <laughs> so now I'm just like I don't want to mm-hmm. if it doesn't taste like delicious I don't want to drink it yeah and I don't want to feel like shit so if I
0: feel like I'm getting tipsy I'm going to stop that's so bizarre that <laughs> like it's just bizarre that you have that headspace today it's it's bizarre in like the best way obviously but yeah. like how weird to I still smoke a lot of weed <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it's also like we, you know, I don't know. Like I was just talking to um a mentor of mine about just the impor- importance of harm reduction and just recognizing that, like, I know that like you you don't classify it as harm reduction, you don't say that like about your own life. Um, but in the in the like addiction community, in the recovery community, this particular mentor of mine, um, he came and spoke at a treatment center that he used to work at, and he said. How is it not valid? You know, and I just I love him. He, there's a huge reason why he's a big mentor of mine. But for him to be like, you used to be a heroin addict. And now you smoke weed three times a week. That fucking sounds like recovery to me. Mm-hmm. You know, are you able to live a manageable life? Like, are you, you know, and it's just like. I don't know. I just I'm I really wanted to insert that in here and just um, obviously with the previous episode that just me episode you know there's a lot of nuggets in there about just like what my recovery looks like today and how it is so much different than like the first year of my recovery because we we grow and we recover and we heal and we learn in different stages
1: Oh yeah, for sure. If I didn't keep smoking, by the way, I live in a legal state. <clears throat> if
0: I Minnesota,
1: <laughs> go Minnesota.
0: Um, I was like Minnesota <laughs> with our pasta salad.
1: <laughs> yes, but if I didn't like continue smoking weed after all of that, I probably would still drink or would still be like wanting to go do drugs, which is just dumb. <laughs> which is just dumb it is like i wouldn't have a manageable life if i went back to methamphetamines <laughs> <God damn it.
0: laughs> yeah i mean i i recognize and understand um sobriety like um hard sobriety and why it's so beautiful and so needed in so many different people's lives by you know that's their choice or that's like what they need or however it looks but also recognizing that like so like we'll talk about like recovery in the form of grief, you know, and it's also like you can use this to recognize like recovery in um, like healing from using alcohol every freaking day of your life to like copious amounts, you know, like so like when a loss happens, like what you needed the first week or the first year when when Josh passed away or like when Papa passed or like any of these like major deep like what you needed in that first year is totally different yeah. than what you need like four years later. And honestly,
1: thank you. I never really told anybody about it because it was messed up. But when Papa died, I went further into my addiction before it got better. Yeah. So it was like, as soon as it happened, I was like, I never liked downers. I've never liked them. I've always been an upper kind of a person and I was doing fentanyl, with uh, like my friends and whatever. And like, was just anything they would give me, I was taking it. And it didn't it. matter because I was just in the backseat. I was vibing like I would take whatever. And so when I finally got in my car crash, that was after one of those nights of like, who are you? What do you have? Cool. Taking it. And so when I woke up, I was like, that's cool that I'm still alive and in a jail cell. I'm not in a hospital room. And that's cool that I'm still breathing. I don't have a car, but whatever. And so after that, I was just like, I'm not doing this. He's right, man. I can't handle it. <laughs> and I just stopped. I sold it like everything cold turkey. That's crazy. And I cut off all my friends. That was the hardest part. Why'd you do that? Because they were giving me drugs.
0: Yeah, so it's like before, like, it obviously got worse before it got better. I don't know any, like, I just, it's not very common for someone to experience a major loss like that while they're, like, drinking and using drugs and then decide to stop. Yeah. After a major loss. Like, Mm. why would that make you stop when, like, the, for me personally, like, the use of them to numb out of the reality of life.
1: Well, and honestly, I don't know why I stopped. I've even told that to like my grief counselor like of course we got really really close and so she was like grilling me about like substance abuse and whatever because she sees it all the time and I was like I literally like stopped and she was like what and I was like I just like stopped doing it after everything happened and she was like how and I was like I don't know I just did it <laughs> and she was like I, that's like I've never had that happen before and I was like I don't know like I don't know where my brain was at I don't know why I just decided to stop I just did it's like
0: literally the spiritual aspect of the fact that it was papa yeah probably yeah i mean of course
1: well and i've always been like uh i've always been able to see spirits so i believe in that more than the average person because it didn't like i did when i was a kid and then it never stopped i like i still see them today at 26
0: in your new house yeah that you just bought yeah (laughs) so
1: it's like when i heard him clearly say that in his voice that's never happened to me before so when i heard that i was like all right I would do anything for that man. (laughs) So (laughs) I did.
0: Yeah. I think. I just know that like Papa meant so much to every single one of us. Like, I don't know. He instilled like hardcore, like morals and values and how to be kind. And not just like the people, but like to the earth Mm -hmm. and the world. And. I think, like, he also has had went through so much grief oh, yeah. in his life. I mean, he was a World War II vet. He well, didn't even talk about that. I've said really. that,
1: like, for years, too. Like, the people that go through a lot of grief are, like, the most patient and caring and, like, compassionate people you'll ever meet because they've seen all of it.
0: I think it's also, like, the the recovery community that's recovering from addiction mm-hmm. or from hardcore substance use or just, like, it's it's another type of grief. Yeah. It's recognizing that, like, maybe you had lost so much, which led you to substance abuse. Mm-hmm. But if you're in recovery, if you're healing from that, that means that you are also and, and have had to grieve the substance and the group of friends and even the bar stool That was your best friend. And yourself. Literally, yeah, your past self. You have to grieve the fact that, like, you know, I, I just always say, like, God, it used to be so easy. You do not have to think about this. Like in the last episode, I was just like, why do I have to be the one that does all this work? Like, the reality is, is that you didn't have to go to counseling. We don't have to have this talk. We don't have to talk about grief. We don't have to have these hard conversations. I don't have to create fuck small talk. But when we do, we create connection mm-hmm. and we actually have meaningful conversations And connections with other people. Like, this is what life is about. Like, Yeah. It's like Papa Papa and Nana and, like, anybody. Like, for those of you that are listening, you have your people. But, like, when we lose somebody or it's like a person, place, or thing, Mm -hmm. you have to remember and hold on to what it meant to you at the time. And I think, like, that goes hand in hand with that self-compassion that you were talking about, just to be gentle with yourself.
1: Well, and like, even after, you remember, you said I was angsty. You remember how fucking angry I was all the time? I used to call you Switchblade. I, yeah, I was fighting people all the time. Like, it's just, you looked at me the wrong way and I, like, just wanted to end your life. It's just how I was. I was so mad. It was kind of nice having you in the mosh
0: pits at concerts.
1: Oh, yeah. I, got, I still get up to the front at concerts. <laughs> that part didn't leave. But after Josh died, I think that was like the major monumental shift in my personality because I changed so much. Like I wasn't the same person, obviously, because you never are. But I just wasn't mad anymore. And like now... It takes, like, a lot to, like, actually piss me off. Like, <laughs> I yeah. just don't really get there very easy.
0: Yeah, you're more of, like, a acceptance. Yeah. Or, like, a, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like, all right, if that's how you're going to act. Yeah. It, you know, you don't, like, engage.
1: I'm like, I just don't have time for that <laughs> anymore. <laughs> like, it takes so much energy that, like, could be put into something else.
0: Well, I think, like, experiencing loss at, like, the level that you have and a lot of people um have is just, like, you can you see the meaning of like life without like sounding like super corny, but like yeah it shows you like how fragile it is and just to I don't know, like what did you learn? What are some I don't know like how do you how do you process it now?
1: I don't know, I guess I just know it sounds really stupid like saying that everything happens for a reason, but finding reasons like that that like keep me going really help. So, the one thing that Josh always said was that he wanted to, like, be with me until he died. He was always like, I want to be with you until we die. We're going to, like, die together. Like, he never said grow old. He always said, I want to be together when I die. And he did. Hmm. He was. So, it's, like, little things like that where I'm, like, I literally fulfilled that life purpose of his. So, cool. (laughs) sucks for me, but he got what he wanted, so I'll sacrifice that.
0: Like recognizing like what do you like what you learned from him, like what you know about yourself and you can't just uh, there's there's no room in grief to be like, well, none of it mattered. Right. What's the point? Like you have to find it in yourself to be like, what's the meaning behind the fact that this person was in my life? Yep. Well, that's so why I'm so picky
1: nowadays. Like I finally, I picked Grayson. He's a real good one, <laughs> but I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have the values that Josh upheld.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like, no matter what, like even in, even in this breakup and all this shit that I'm processing through, it's like, I'm not naive. I recognize that so much of what I love about myself today and what I, what I've learned that I want and what I've learned that I don't want. Like, that has all come from all of this experience. So as sad or mad or, like, throwing any other human emotion, like, as as that, as I get, I can recognize, like, okay, but what can I take from this? Yeah.
1: You're just constantly learning all the time. Right. That's how you get really good at things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think, like, speaking of, like, always learning things, there's something that I think a lot of listeners will be wondering, and that is just the topic of stages of grief. I feel like we've, like, for me, I was just, I was taught, like, there's stages of grief. There's the five stages of grief, right? Is it five? They've added some over the years,
1: but they, I feel like the stage... Coming from somebody who's been through a lot of grief, okay? Take me with a grain of salt. But I think that the stages of grief are fucking bullshit. What do you mean? (laughs) What? (laughs) Like, yeah, you feel those things. But they're not stages, and they don't just stop, and they don't just start. They're just, like, it's just feelings you feel when you're grieving. It's not stages. Right. I'm like, what do you mean? There's so many feelings. How are you just going to put it down into five or seven or however fucking many there are?
0: So me David Kessler is a really awesome scholar that studies grief. And I'm sure like from all the books that you've read on grief and stuff, like I'm sure you read them. Mm-hmm. So David Kessler, he has an amazing podcast on Brené's, Brené Brown's podcast. I like say, we're, we're like on a first name basis mm-hmm. Um, on her podcast called Unlocking Us. David Kessler and her talk about grief. And I remember that now that he talked about how the stages of grief, they were originally written in the first theory that they were in order but they quickly found out that like there's no such thing as a linear way of healing and we say that all the time like healing isn't linear yeah i've said that so many times on this podcast yeah because it's so true like you can't be compassionate with yourself and allow yourself to like sit in this heavy feeling like like you said like cry so hard that you can't sit up straight yeah and then the next day be like feeling better and then maybe, like, the next week, you lose your shit again. And you yeah. you cannot beat yourself up for that.
1: No. Well, it comes... There's waves of grief. Like, that's my favorite, is, like, seeing it as waves. Okay. I always think that waves remind me of grief. Because there's times where, like, I'd be like, yep, I've been so good for a week. Like, I'm solid. I can probably, like, go out and take on the world. It's all smooth sailing from here. Yep. And then you open up your closet to grab a shirt, and you smell... Like one of his shirts that he had in there or something. Completely fucking mess on the floor. You're not going anywhere. You're crawling back in bed. It literally shocks you too. It's mm-hmm. like you turn a
0: corner or like a song comes on. Yep. Or something. There's like, so
1: many times where I've been like walking through a store or whatever. And their stupid music would play like a song. that I hate like that. Whatever
0: and I'd just be bawling, grabbing soup. I'm the same. <laughs> I was like psycho with music and songs when, like, when I went through that breakup with my college boyfriend. Oh, yeah. I was literally like, turn off the radio. Like, every single song made me cry. I couldn't fucking handle it. Yeah. Like, we, are, I don't know. We're just, I'm a sensitive soul.
1: Yeah. But it's okay.
0: When you've been fucking ripped open and your heart is like, what is going on? And not to mention, you, you've been saying this whole time, like, you are not yourself. No. You literally are now a new version of yourself yep there's no such thing as going back you will never be that person who had that person in their life ever again you are now moving forward and they are not yep. what does that mean or you're moving forward without the alcohol yep. you have to leave it you know or whatever it is that you are leaving behind
1: it is it's scary It's you're, terrifying you're going into like a whole new literally a whole new life you're reinventing your whole entire person your whole entire life You don't know what your personality is. You don't know what kind of music you like. (laughs) You don't know who your friends are. It's like, yeah. I felt grief a lot too, um, getting on meds, which -hmm. was really weird. Mm -hmm. I used to really, really love super, super sad music. It's like my jam, like sad boy, like cry your eyes out on the way home music. Emo. Yeah. It's like my soul. Mm -hmm. And then I got on medication and it just doesn't hit the same. That fucking sucks i know i'm like now i gotta like I, I don't like this music very much and i'm like it's literally like the only thing that gives me
0: chills and uh, i can't even listen to it because i don't enjoy it as much that's that like melancholy bittersweet part in us that i think like we we recognize like pain as like comfort yeah and so getting on like a, like you said like a certain medication that like in your day-to-day life benefits you for just creating stability which is amazing you're like wow this is what normal feels like but then you turn on you like want to feel good in the pain and you're mad
1: (laughs) damn it i'm not depressed anymore (laughs) who am i if i don't have my depression that is how i felt though i was being unmanaged bipolar for so long that i just like knew how to live through my ebbs and flows easy Mm -hmm. and then i got on meds and i'm like well fuck (laughs) i feel the same all day like, now now what? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I've had this problem my whole life that I've been just like, yeah, I have like no motivation to do anything now. My house doesn't get overly dirty because I kind of pick up every day, which sucks. <laughs> and then like when I'm manic, I still get manic, but it's not like I can't control it manic. Then I'm like, well, I want to clean, but everything's not really that dirty. So I'm not going to have that much fun. So then I just got to like think of a project to do. And I don't never want to think of a project when I'm manic. I want a project already in front of me.
0: That's hilarious because this reminds me so much of when people get into recovery and they have like X amount of like months or whatever without using their drug or their drink or whatever it is. And I'll say like it is it's it's humorous in this setting, but it's also like really detrimental to people's life when you think like when you've been so surrounded by trauma and dysfunction and that is your normal, that it feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. to you so when you get in like a few months or a few weeks or i don't know days sometimes into this new way of being and it feels so different that you are like this is boring yeah but it's actually literally healthy and stable and that feels more scary to you to feel stable
1: that's what my med manager said (laughs) I was like, I don't like my old music, and also everything just feels kind of meh. And she was like, Meh, like you wanna die? And I was like, No, not really. And she's like, Okay, so that's a step up from last time. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, no, I don't really want to die, I guess. And she's like, That's good, that's good. That's
0: like a vast
1: improvement. <laughs> yeah, good job. She's like, Maybe you should talk to like your talk therapist a little bit then. And I was like,
0: fine i'll do the boring work yeah i'm nothing better to do
1: i was like i need a med switch and she was like mm, i don't know about that
0: <laughs> you need like more time on this med okay. to re- like realize what's new normal yeah when we first started talking you talked about like what do what do you say like what should mm-hmm. you say to someone yes and then like what absolutely you shouldn't um cuz you were so jack was telling me she's got this book and it labels um literally on one page it says what not to do and then it says what to do and the what not to do page is so full of all the phrases and bullshit that people say because again it's not none of us it's not our fault but none of us are trained how to grieve properly and so when someone cries our immediate reaction is to hand them a Kleenex box and tell them to stop crying and we do that for our comfort because we're uncomfortable with them crying. But like, literally, if we aren't vulnerable enough to cry and witness someone crying, then why the fuck are we being human beings? Because that is a huge part of being a human being is grieving. Anyway, so now I'm on a tangent. Anyway, would you so kindly tell people maybe things that you shouldn't say to someone? Yeah, I would love that. Okay. Before I do that, um, I want
1: to tell everybody that it's not weird for videotaping or for or uh, taking pictures of a funeral. If somebody wants you to record or take pictures at a funeral, take pictures.
0: Oh, I, I did for mm. Nana. I couldn't not. That was my last time seeing her. Yeah. I didn't know how to not do that. Why is
1: that? Why, why did you have to say that? Because everybody... Okay, so I took pictures at Josh's funeral. It's like a very weird thing to do in American culture. We just don't do it. A lot of other cultures literally take family photos with their dead loved ones. Taking pictures and creating
0: memories at a sad event is good. I think that that is exactly what you were saying about like celebration of life versus sad, crying loss of a person funeral. Like everybody were black. Like, Like grandma would have came back and beat us. She would have been so mad. Yeah, I would have been so upset if we were all just weeping and wearing black. She would have been like, this is not a party. Yeah. I deserve a party.
1: We were all really sad at Josh's funeral, but he also had a like 50 man motorcycle club. That pulled up and they all revved their engines outside and picked people up. And it was really cool.
0: And there's no right way to grieve. You know, like I'm such a sad, feely person. It's so hard for me to like fake celebrate when like I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. But like, I think to go back to that point of like, what was the meaning behind this person's life? What did they instill in you? How are you a better version of yourself since this person was in your life? Yeah. Like these are things that we should be focusing on when they go. Um. Yeah, there's no right way to grieve. So you do you, boo.
1: Okay, this one is called Healing a Friend's Grieving Heart. A Hundred Practical Ideas for Helping Someone You Love Through Loss by Alan D. Wolfelt. (laughs) He's got a PhD.
0: (laughs) These are all going to be in the show notes. So you can go look at the books that we're reading from.
1: Yeah. Um, The one that I really want to recommend though is Please Be Patient, I'm Grieving. It's a really good one. Anyway. When you have a friend that's mourning, please do not say these things. Do not give it time. Keep busy.
0: Oh, boy. Be strong. What does that mean?
1: At least he didn't suffer.
0: Oh, my God. It's time to move on. I want to punch someone.
1: (laughs) He lived a long life. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Try not to think about it. What does that mean? You'll become stronger because of this. Don't cry. What? He wouldn't have wanted you to be sad. Life is for living. Yeah, tell that's my dead start. What are you?
0: Okay. Yeah, those are those are classic. And I feel like somehow I've heard all of those.
1: You want to know the best one that I heard when Josh died? Best how? Okay. All right. Lay it on me. Someone said to me. They put their hand on my shoulder, which makes it even better. And they said, honey, I understand exactly how you feel. It's okay. My grandma
0: died. I think, like, the pause there was warranted. (laughs) Like, I think that that was what, like... I lost my shit, actually, when we lost Nana. Like, okay, when we lost Nana. No, it it was actually mom. It was when mom got diagnosed with her lung cancer. I was sitting outside of a meeting. Um, 12-step meetings are part of my recovery journey. And I was outside of a meeting after I just shared, just cried all over the place about like not knowing how to feel my feelings and what I was doing with the idea of like maybe mom not being here someday. And someone came up to me after a meeting. I don't even know who it was. I genuinely apologize if you're listening to this and it was you. Please come talk to me or send me a DM or something. However, somebody, I think it was a girl, a woman, came up to me and said, I know I know exactly what you're going through with your mom because my dad died of blah, 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 whatever it was. And I lost my shit on that person. I was like, first of all, my mom's not dead. Second of all, your dad and my mom are nothing alike. Third of all, you don't know anything about my relationship that I have with my mother. You don't know that we have the same brown eyes and the same skin tone and the same laugh. You don't know that I call her for everything. You don't know that she peels the clothes off of my little sister when she's grieving and throws her in a shower because she's the best caregiver in the world. You don't know anything Mm -hmm. about this person. Now I'm like on a tangent, but I like lost my shit on that person and I felt so bad afterwards but in the moment i was like this person fucking deserves this yeah don't tell somebody that you know because you also lost xyz it's the same as saying like you and i both wear size seven shoe so i know exactly what that looks like to like put on your shoes and walk in your life that doesn't mean anything like we have the same shoe size you have a mom i have a mom however <laughs> none of it is the same like yes. so what can you say to someone then what are what are good things? What are green flags?
1: Um, well, at first I have some more don'ts.
0: Oh, geez. These
1: are um, religious don'ts. Okay. Especially for someone like me who doesn't practice religion.
0: Oh, I get it. Okay. Yep. Okay. So growing up in a religious, religiously traumatized. Yeah. Setting. Some of us can relate. Okay, here we go. It was God's will. Oh, boy. Oh, no. These are going to make me even more mad. Another one's God only
1: gives you what you can handle. (laughs) Now they're in peace or a better place. This is a blessing. What? (laughs) Sorry, I can't say that's not
0: even on there. Is that a wallet?
1: Stupid. (laughs) Okay, the last one is now you have an angel in heaven. That's okay. Shut the fuck
0: up. Why couldn't they be here on Earth? Okay, sounds good. Thanks, okay. Cheryl. These are ones you do say.
1: All right. Do say, I'm sorry. That's a good one. That feels better. Do say, I'm thinking of you. I like that. I care. I love you. These are simple. I like it. You are so important to me. I'm here for you. I want to help. I'm thinking of you and praying for you every day. I want you to know that I loved blank, too. Oh, I love those.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite things that somebody's ever said to me, one of my best friends, she said, this sucks. This is gonna suck. I need you to remember that you're not doing this by yourself. I'm gonna be here with you the whole time. hmm And I swear I felt my panic, like, dissipate off my body.
1: Yeah. Even just reading those yeses, I, like, got, like, warm snuggles.
0: I honestly feel like I can breathe easier just hearing you read. I'm glad that you saved the better ones for last, like, the green flags for last. Yes. Yeah. And also, I
1: just wanted to touch in here, too, like, on this book, that people, when they're mourning, are very vulnerable. Like, obviously, they're at, like, their most vulnerable state. And a lot of people don't know how to help someone that's mourning. And that is okay. But don't make them feel isolated. Because a lot of the times, a lot of these books actually are like, they talk about how you lose someone and you're literally going through the worst grief that you've ever experienced and you don't know what way is up. And we have this such weird taboo about death and getting back up and getting back to work that people put like a time cap on sympathy. Yep. So they're like, well, you should feel better by now. I don't get what you're doing. And they make them feel worse or that they're not valid anymore or that they're losing their friends and their family around them because they don't understand anymore. And like, there is not a time capsule on grief, but there is on sympathy. So you have to like mishmash those two together somehow.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, like, that just goes hand in hand with the fact that, like, you, you're you not responsible for fixing the grieving person because you literally can't. So you feeling impatient with their grieving has everything to do with you and nothing to do with the process that they need to go through and are going through. Yeah. I think, like, I, I want to say this, too, just... um. When, we are, when we're talking about like being in shock and being in this new phase, you're like, it's a new era of your life. You don't know who the fuck you are. You don't know what the fuck just happened. It's like also like getting into recovery, right? Dropping your addiction and being like, I can't anymore. Like, how can we learn how to live a different life? You're literally taking baby steps and figuring out what is the new normal? What is this new world? And it literally, if, if it helps, like picture this person who's grieving this major loss, whatever it is. As a newborn baby, yeah, they are literally an infant. Which infants are helpless. They need all of the support. They need sometimes to literally be stripped of their clothes, thrown in the shower, and like force fed. Yeah. Like babies, infants, like they're so new to the world. Everything hurts. Everything's too loud, too bright, too scary, and they need to literally re—they need to learn everything all over again. And for someone, especially like we, we had pop in our life, obviously, our whole lives. Mm-hmm. I was in my 20s when we lost Papa and I didn't comprehend what life was like without having Papa home. Right. Like, what is what's the farm? Yeah. With Papa in his chair. I'm so confused. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And so to have to like. I don't know. I, I just think like giving someone compassion about that and recognizing that like this major event shocked their world so much. Whether, like I said, that's, like, getting into recovery, whatever it is, that, like, they literally don't know who they are because they haven't had to operate as someone without that person, place, or thing Mm -hmm. in their life can hopefully allow us to just, like, give them grace and give them that space to figure it out and just support them while they figure out what it is.
1: Yeah. And also ask them to do things. Yeah. Like, it was so nice. There'd be times where, like, I would just be, like, sitting on the couch, like, staring at the wall because I couldn't sleep. And mom would be like, do you want to go get the sun? (laughs) I'd be like, sure, because she'd already made coffee. So we'd, like, just get her stupid little coffee. Everything was stupid. I was like, I'm going to grab a stupid little coffee cup and get some stupid little coffee and walk outside into this stupid freaking house. And we'd go out there and just, like, sit on the step and, like, listen to the birds and watch the sunset. And even just, like, stupid things like that where you, like, get out of the house. Or sunrise, I said sunset. Sunrise, it's the morning time. Then we would, <laughs> then we would just like sit out there and it would be like, I don't know, a half hour of just sitting there drinking coffee. And then she'd be like, oh, that was nice. Let me like go back inside. And I was like, that was nice. It's like stupid little things like that. Or yeah. like, you could just like do something that you don't normally do sitting next to someone.
0: Yeah. And you're like, cool,
1: and it doesn't have to be much effort. Like you can literally bring them up coloring book or like plant a tree well it's like
0: <laughs> fit, <laughs> sit with them yeah no matter what it is and again don't overuse your words because no matter what you say you don't know how to make them feel better yeah you're not going to because mm-hmm. there's no answer so silence is sometimes honestly way more beautiful yeah
1: if they want to talk they will and again
0: 80 20 yeah this like honestly i think i needed this talk a lot it's helped me process a lot of what is going on with me
1: how does it feel for you interesting i haven't like i haven't felt my feelings in a long time
0: well, <laughs> you haven't been like prompted to talk about this stuff in a while
1: yeah i haven't talked about it for a while
0: and you're like dusting off the old grief books yeah. <laughs> used to carry these around like <laughs> yeah, i had a backpack just full of grief books for like a year <laughs> i remember Oh, this was fucking awesome, and I appreciate you a lot, and I just, I hope that, I hope that um, for you listening, you got as much out of this talk as I did. Will you come back on the pod? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about something. I mean, I know that we, like, giggle our way through grief, but. Yeah. Well, you have to. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be way too sad. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be way too sad. It would. You gotta have dark humor in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said the other day, I'm like, why are you taking life so seriously? They're like, um, oh, we were talking about like eating healthy versus like eating junk food or something. And I was like, news flash, kid, none of us are getting out of here alive.
1: Yeah. We're <laughs> all dying. Why are you eating that much protein?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a time and place. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's all for now. Thank you so much for coming on here and just sharing your heart. I think we all needed that a little bit.
1: Thanks for having me on. Can I plug your show? What? Everybody subscribe and like to Fuck Small Talk by Mariah Jo on all platforms.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for the commercial. All right. You heard it. Make sure that if you are listening to this, that you are following, that you are subscribing, whatever you call it, that you're rating it. If you rate the podcast a five star, I love you forever. It helps me so much. New podcasters need that. And at the same time, if you got something out of this episode, if you learned something or if you're feeling good about it, share it with someone who may be grieving or who might benefit from this talk.
1: Yeah, share me. Share me all over. Yeah,
0: share, share her all over. Share me all your sad friends. Yeah, share the grief. And then we'll start to have normal talks about grief because it is normal. Yeah. 100% of us are going to feel it in our lifetime, so we might as well talk about it. So
1: our so. pictures at funerals. Totally normal. Pictures in rooms (laughs) are normal.
0: That's your your lesson. (laughs) All right. Sisters out. Fuck Small Talk is produced in partnership with Be Easy Marketing. It would mean so much if you took the time right now to follow the pod and give a five star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'll see you guys here next week for another Big Talk topic. Until then, let's keep moving forward.